one of the drawbacks about my work is that my mom doesn't know how to talk about it. She doesn't know how to brag about what her kid is up to. And uh, that's because facilitation is not an easy thing to talk about. How do you explain what we do? You have to experience it to know it. You have to know what different facilitators are able to do and not do. And this is why I'm so excited to share this beautiful conversation between me and my friend Alia Lalu, who is a magnificent, well-respected and well-loved facilitator. She's also a mediator. She does organizational development work. And uh, she just definitely has the gift for what we do and knows what it takes to do it, which is fundamentally to commit to working deeply on yourself. And she does that with courage and and love and, and willingness. And that will all become evident to you as you listen to this conversation between us. I'm titling the episode Love and Facilitation. And part of that is because we spent the first 15, 20 minutes of the podcast talking about love. Uh, Alias, uh, immigrant from Morocco and she's queer and those two things have not been easy to negotiate and she has found her way to living in truth um, and stay a part of her family and she has this beautiful, beautiful love um, with her partner Alixa and it's a love that I can relate to because I feel like I too have found this beautiful love. So there is a lot of love talk here. And I don't think it's separate from the facilitation talk, but uh, I did want to, want to let you know that, that we'll get to the facilitation talk. And I do hope you give time and heart to the love talk and you'll see how it all threads together. You'll enjoy Alia's presence and the authenticity of her being and uh, I just can't wait to hear what you think and what you feel listening to this enjoy it for those of you that don't know me that might be listening for the first time my name is Gibran Rivera and I am uh, a guide a coach and a facilitator with this podcast, I'm inviting you into an unfolding, decentralized conversation with remarkable leaders who are doing their best work right at the edge of the evolution of consciousness and culture. Enjoy. Hola, Alia. Good to finally be sitting with you and recording this podcast that my heart's been called to do for a while. Mm. Hola, amor. So happy to see you and hear you and 
grateful for our calendars lining up in this perfect moment finally yeah. thank you for having me yeah i can't wait i can't wait for the conversation i can't wait for my friends and listeners to know more about you and uh we'll get into into your work your vocation your story how you got here and immediately i like to ask people to begin with sharing something that they have changed their mind about uh, something some kind of belief that was core to your identity that maybe you even professed in the world that you either don't consider to be true any longer or at least are holding more lightly. I, I love going straight to the core of it. <laughs> I don't know if that's meant to be a warm-up question, but that goes straight to the heart. Yes. Straight to the essence. Um, I love that question. And, you know, I'll be honest, when you sent it to me over email, I, you know, my mind was trying to say all the things around all the multiple truths and the many things that I've learned in facilitation and in the world and in the many spaces that I've been in. And, and my heart and my body and my spirit knew exactly what the answer was, which mm. is that I have held a very painful belief for a very long time that my family couldn't love me if they really knew me. Mm. That if my queerness were to be out in a real way to the larger family, to the extended family, that I couldn't be a part of it. And I've held that belief either consciously or unconsciously, I would say, for my entire life up until last summer. Mm. And so much has happened, so much beauty and pain and loss and miracle has happened to get me to a place where I no longer held that belief. Wow. I'm feeling goosebumps literally all over my body. And I have gotten some some hints of, of that as we as we chatted back and forth and hmm. What a powerful thing and first of all like what a heartbreaking thing to feel like I'm essential, fundamental part of you would not be welcomed by your kin. And um are you okay with sharing a little bit about how that went about? Maybe people knowing something about your background will be important because mm. we come from more traditional cultures, different ones, but more traditional ones where, yeah, like this is true in the in the U.S. and Europe, but it's even more true in mm -hmm. other places and with other beliefs. So maybe you can. For sure. Uh, yeah. We're here. Yeah, I mean. You know, I'm wondering about who's listening. And maybe when I say that, you know, folks who grew up Catholic say, oh, yes, that's my story. Or folks who grew up Mormon or deeply Jewish or deeply Muslim or deeply insert whatever identity might might contribute to feeling like, oh, my queerness will not be able to coexist joyfully, easily with the rest of me and the rest of my identity I have been brought up. Um, I'm from Morocco. I was raised in Morocco. I lived there my whole life until 17 when I came to the U.S. for college. And, you know, other than I got a scholarship to a good school, really, I was coming to be queer. 
<laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was coming to be queer and to be free uh, and I and I was and I did and I found that and um, I think part of what was difficult even in those years of like outrageous freedom in a way um, that I insisted on practicing and that was so liberating and so healing part of the pain of that was almost a bifurcation of my life is okay this is where I can be a sister and a daughter and a cousin and a niece to my family. Um, and I have to show up in particular ways with certain identities and certain parts of myself. And then here is where I can be the student who is from another country and who is here, you know, exploring and, and, and being free with the rest of us who are similarly trying to do that in that particular age group. So, yeah, it's a, it's a story as old as time, as time, I think. I can't go back myself, but that's what I'm told <laughs> about homophobia and its many ugly faces throughout time and place. And it's a story that I think was reinforced by a lot of things, not just religion, though I don't come from a particularly religious family, um, but certainly legally, where it's illegal to be gay in Morocco. It's like punishable by a prison sentence. And, uh, and really mostly culturally uh, and mostly in the unspoken of like, ooh, such, such and such fam, uh, such and such man is effeminate, but we're not really going to talk about it. We're going to say just enough to all know what we're saying without actually saying it. Right. Right. So there was a lot of like reading between the lines and feeling into the energy of what is okay and what isn't, and um, you know what people think is. Uh, I think the root of caring about what people think is very beautiful, mm -hmm. and the shadow side of it, the shadow side of so much interconnectedness. And the difficult side of so much being in community is, well, if the others will think that this is wrong or will be uncomfortable, then I will not do it for right. the larger collective good. And that's very much the culture that I grew up with. Um, and in a way, I actually really love that culture. I want to be interconnectedness. I want to care about what my aunt thinks and cares, mm -hmm. you know? <laughs> I, yeah. You know, I landed in the U.S. Where, where it was taken to the other extreme, where it was like freedom at all costs. Um, right. And I don't, I don't jive with that, you know, and this is me and like, take it or leave it. And I don't know if that, that also feels too harsh and too extreme. That's great. And, uh, you know, m many times people say, well, why don't you just cut contact? And I'm like, that's just the most horrible idea I've ever heard. <laughs> right. So I think my life has been a, a finding of maybe not balance, but more a finding of, a, of my own way. Um, mm -hmm. and, and of even changing the paradigm to actually find that there is much more freedom in that interconnectedness of home that I don't think I was as aware of beforehand. That's really beautiful. That's really beautiful and miraculous too. I think we can all imagine a situation where it would not have gone well, mm. right? It's and like it didn't labor. for a long time. Uh-huh. And it didn't for a long time. And the long and short of it is after many years of pain and disconnection and rejection of my queerness and my relationships specifically, which has on dimensions of xenophobia and racism and elitism and all sorts of other you know, forces of separation. After many years of pain and disconnection from my family, there truly have been miracles. Like I don't understand on this plane what happened. It just it, the A plus B did not equal C in this situation. And so I know there are forces at play. I know there are ancestors at play. I know that the multiple deaths and losses in my family over the last couple of years have deeply contributed to 
to a heart opening, to a spirit opening, to a recommitment to love and familial bonds and to being with each other in the truth of who we are in a way that I could have truly never even dreamed of. Like, I don't think I was free enough or bold enough to even imagine where we are now. Literally just a year ago, I, I bow to the mystery of this miracle that has happened. That is so beautiful. That is so, so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing that. And it's so, again, the goosebumps all over. I, uh, right now, I am recording from Columbus, Ohio, while I, Tuesday and I, my love, we, in, we, we have a house in Boston, but I have a child in Boston and she's got a child in Columbus and we're committed to our parenting. And so mm. we're looking at the possibility of four ye- four more years of living apart, you know? Um, but, and you know, if that's our lot, that's our lot. We also have been given something that few people get, mm. which is mm. just a true, the truest of true loves and a miracle of togetherness that I know it's, I spe- I, yeah, I, I almost stopped looking for Hmm. And uh, let me say before you move on, I want to just I love the energy that you have carried since falling in love with Tuesday. Thank you. <laughs> your That's smile awesome. is like stretching your face as far as it can, and your eyes are so bright. And you've been leading with that love, and I, I just see all the ways that it's fed you and nourished you and like heightened you. Yeah. To a higher thank version you. of yourself. I'm so happy to witness your love. Mm, thank you so much for seeing it. Thank you for seeing it. It's it's really it's a miracle. And it's there's just not a day when I'm not in love, you know? Mm. Not a single day has happened. But mm. I bring it up because at one point we were thinking about that reality. Like it, it would have been five years and we're a year back and she said, You know what though? Five years ago, I couldn't imagine this, mm. you know? So this, this miracle, this unfoldings, they don't stop, right? And like the future is not imaginable. Like it should be imagined, right? To, to give us some orientation. But who knows mm. what miracles are before us, you know? What more growth, what more unexpected wonder. Um, and how humbling, no? And what a relief to not know. Yeah. Yes, right, <laughs> you know? right. In five years, I want this. You know, yeah, here's the yeah. 10 year plan. And I'm like, okay, I mean, <laughs> let's see what all the forces have in store for you. Yeah. So, yeah, it's good not to know and it's scary not to know. And I'm glad I didn't know mm-hmm. yeah. what I could have imagined or planned or wished for is so much smaller and less beautiful than what has happened. So I surrender. I surrender in a way I have never surrendered before. Ashe. Ashe. And I think that's 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 part of what makes it possible. It would be the essential part is surrender. Mm. It's just turning two words and knowing less and just opening your heart. You know? I see. But um, thank you for saying what you said about my relationship because it came... As I knew I wanted to ask you, hmm. 
to tell us a little bit more about your relationship, which <laughs> I know is a, it's another miracle. And let me confirm: was I around when? With did I? What did you all meet at Burning Man? Did you meet <laughs> in that camp, or was that did you know each other before? We met a few months before that. But what I love about you saying that is there's another dear friend who's convinced we met at her house and it keeps saying <laughs> that is not where we met and that is the story she's holding so you know multiple truths but um no we met so, yeah you're talking about 2018 burning men yeah we met we met a few months before that and miracle is surely the right word and magic is the other one that comes um mm. So I'm not sure what about my relationship you're asking, but you know, it's all I want to talk about most days. So if you want to orient me in a particular direction, or I could just riff. Tell me a couple of words about her and tell me a couple <sighs> of words about what happens between you that, mm -hmm. uh, that, that feels so real and is perceptible to the eye. I'll start with her name. Her name's Alixa. She is the most magical person I know just by virtue of being and by virtue of all she does, which is that I'll open the fridge and think we have nothing to make a meal out of. And she'll make a delicious, amazing 10 course meal. And I'm like, I don't even know where you pulled those things from. And we'll enter a hotel room that has terrible lighting and somehow within 10 minutes, it looks magical. And we'll be wow. <laughs> in a difficult situation, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, whatever it is. And she'll say and do just the right thing and hold just the right space and touch just in the right way to bring in so much magic and so much love and so much beauty, her attention to beauty by virtue of who she is, by virtue of being an artist, a multidisciplinary artist that has a hand in painting and one in poetry and one in writing and one in teaching and when in creation of magical spaces, it's just by virtue of who she is, life is better. And in ways that like, I think if someone had shared my love story as if you were theirs, I wouldn't believe them. I mean, some of the stories we have are maybe beyond the realm of our conversation today. <laughs> and, and, and I mean that in the sense of like, there have been some I don't even want to call them supernatural because they're natural, they happened, but some like otherworldly experiences that we've had that have made me, I think, believe in, in, in life outside of these, of this visible dimension in ways that I hadn't before, in ways that even religion did not make me before. Um, and I think what our, I feel what our relationship has done to me and to both of us is, has made us work hard to see ourselves and made us want to be the best versions of ourselves and it doesn't even feel like effort mm. it doesn't even feel like effort right and the 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 work of being the best version of ourselves and doing the best that we can for each other is like the deepest joy and privilege and honor of my life truly that is so beautiful <laughs> that is so beautiful and i i believe it completely because a i see it and B, I know it to be true in my own life, you know. And the truth is, not everybody gets this, you know. Mm. And it's not, it's not the conditioning. Sometimes is too much in place for, and uh, the willingness 
Mm. You know, or just the grace sometimes doesn't you call to different things, but uh, mm. it's really special. It's really special to witness and to know it to be true. Mm. Hmm. You know, it. Alixa shared with my mom when they met, and it was beautiful. And after many years of not meeting <laughs> and, and very many not beautiful energies, is when they met, and and the and, and Alixa was sharing around our love. She said. You know, I feel like there are multiple kinds of love, of loves. There's like a mental love that makes sense because you are of a particular milieu and I am and we're going to make sense in a particular way. And I love you for that and we're going to build this thing. doesn't mean it's bad. It just means that it's coming from a particular orientation and focus. And then there's romantic love, which is like my heart loves yours and we have this romance and from there we're building our relationship. And she said to my mom, and I think this is what made my mom melt, she said, Ali and I have a soul love. Like our souls recognized each other and said, oh, I found you again. Let's do it. Let's do it right. <laughs> and and we, we love each other into shape. Ashe, Ashe, I get it. I yeah. feel it. And my body <laughs> saying yes. <laughs> You got me. We're just getting started here. Mm. You got me with multiple rushes of goosebumps. Your this questions ask if you shall receive. <laughs> no small talk on this podcast. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, and uh, and thank her, and thank you for your courage and mm. willingness to stay in it. Thank you. Um, the world needs it. For sure. Mm. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna turn perhaps abruptly Yalla. to, to uh, um, work, if we <laughs> call it work, is <laughs> vocation for some of us, and I think for you it is. And you and I first met because a mutual friend. Mm -hmm. uh, Jason Drucker, he said to me, I know a young person that I think will be a facilitator like you're a facilitator. Hmm. And I was like, well, great. Let me, let me meet her. <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and we made space and met in New York City and just kind of stayed mm -hmm. aware of each other since. And I have definitely heard about your work as it develops over time from mm -hmm. other people that have been in your spaces. I recently heard about, I think it might have been a space that you weren't even supposed to facilitate. <laughs> when you just had to step, to step up and, and, and solve a situation. And uh, I heard that was a hard space and that you saved the day in some ways. Yes. And so knowing that we know something about this, this special calling. I want to know where you are in your journey and even how you got to this. Hmm. Well, maybe I'll start with the gratitude for having met me for coffees many years ago. <laughs> and I definitely feel like the context of that meeting was here I am, a baby facilitator or wanting to be a facilitator or whatever, you know, label we want to put on it. And you, I think, deeply beloved and deeply appreciated in so many movement spaces and organizations and 
Um, I was so moved that you made space. I think you had like 45 minutes between meetings in some like random location in Upper Manhattan. And we like had a coffee standing in a corner somewhere. So I was very moved by that. I want to thank you. Mm, it was very moving for me too. Thank Your you. energy it was vibrant. Always. You know, thanks for modeling. Because sometimes I'll get emails. I'm like, oh, I don't want to meet new people. And then I'm like, oh my God, no, I do. <laughs> I do because look what develops, not just in terms of friendship, but also, you know, I'm here because of you and because of many. And so, yeah, loving it forward. Um, my work, I mean, I'm, I have the assumption that many people in your world already know what facilitation is and are, are perhaps connected. Uh, themselves. Um, how did I end up here? Honestly, I think I ended up here because I, I, I grew up needing, though unconsciously, needing a lot more communication than we had. Mm-hmm. At school, in my home, in my friendships, in my family, in my in my context, the the the, the subtlety was a little too much for me, <laughs> mm-hmm. and the sort of unconscious, the let it be, the we don't talk about this, we don't talk about that, or that was fixed, but we don't know how. Let's keep moving. What I I think I needed, I craved, like clarity and connection and communication in a way that was a lot more explicit. And this is a really a recent learning for me. Like I have all sorts of other stories for how I ended up in facilitation. You know, mm-hmm. I was interested. In, in global peace and, and conflict transformation and anti-war. And, and that was one entry point in terms of like dialogue circles and things like that. And another entry point was some personal development work that I got into that happens in a group context. And so circle work and sort of personal healing that's possible and amplified when you're in group setting. And another one is organizational development. And I love to work with organizations that are doing good work in the world. And so that's my entry point. I think if I really come down to the core of it, the like initial pull was I want to understand what's happening and -hmm. I want to be able to talk about it in a way that allows all of us to actually show up for the conversation. And so what are the elements that make a conversation possible, a difficult conversation possible? How can we build and co-create an environment that will allow us to breathe through what's hard and to look at what's unknown and what's difficult and say, okay, here's a tool, here's a skill, here's an awareness, here's a possibility, here's a touch, a move, a shift that can make this big situation a little bit less scary or more possible. And I think I really needed that. It's so interesting to learn that in my mid-30s, like I've been facilitating as, as my job really, since, as my career since I started, and to realize like that's what it's rooted in. Feels a little funny to say, but I think that's my most honest answer. And then there's everything else. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. It all makes sense. <laughs> it all makes sense. It makes perfect sense to me. Um, and good on you to just follow that, right? To just follow it and to hmm. to know yourself in it. You know, one of the things I. I want to be careful with what I'm saying because I don't want to discourage anybody, but kind of a positive turn that I've noticed in my, in my career is that more and more people name themselves facilitators. Mm. You know, they, which to me says they get that there's something essential about it. In, in many cases, 
there's not yet a full understanding of the inner work that is necessary oh. before taking on that label mm. and and maybe maybe you can only learn it along the way so you start to facilitate meetings and realize that something else is needed from you that you're not just going to be <laughs> but uh, there is this 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 deep work that's necessary and uh yeah it's clearly really really obvious to me that that you are the facilitator that you are with the reputation that you have because mm -hmm. of the work that you do on yourself and the courage that you have to turn towards life and its terms, you know, mm -hmm. and it's, I think that's at the heart of it. I mm -hmm. wonder, and it's okay if there's no easy slogans or mm -hmm. aphorisms, but I know I can, I know I keep a couple of phrases or a couple of key notes in my head for mm -hmm what it takes for me to to show up and hold space and mm -hmm. and i wonder if you have yours um i can maybe give you a couple of examples mm -hmm. giving you time to think i'd love to hear one of them a central one that i learned early is the success of an intervention is directly proportional to the interior condition of the intervener mm -hmm. and so just kind of getting that and knowing that allowed me to like to just keep working on myself you know and knowing that that was essential to what i was trying to bring to the world like making no separation between that one and the other yes. and then other things like It can't just be open, 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 which I think is the bias of most facilitators. To uh, like, at some point, you a conversation is done, <laughs> and a hard decision is gonna be made, mm -hmm. and we're gonna move. And I think that. So, if I think about the openness as horizontal energy, I think a differentiator in me versus other great facilitators I know is that I wanted to bring the vertical mm -hmm. and. And a very high awareness that my first job is to ground myself in the room and to try to be the biggest heart in the room. Mm -hmm. Not as a competition, but as a holding quality that pendulums move, you know, in accordance to like the biggest pendulum when in this case I'm in the heart. And so those are some of the the things I hmm. that I keep in mind. And I wonder what yours might be. Hmm. Beautiful. <clears throat> I mean those resonate so beautifully and so fully. And definitely do not feel like slogans. <laughs> um, I mean I'll start with love. So ultimately it all comes back to love. We're either moving from love or from fear. Mm -hmm. I really feel that it doesn't mean that there's no love in fear or vice versa. It just means that what is my orientation and what pull will I allow to pull? And so I really have to be really grounded in my own love before entering any facilitation, whether it's mediation, a large group, a conference, online, in person, whatever it is. 
And not love like, oh, I'm so positive. I'm here smiling. Right. Not like everything is so fantastic. Hi, everybody. <laughs> you know, let me put on my facilitator hat. Not that. Not the performance of love, but the love that, that also loves grief. Mm-hmm. And the love that also loves anger. And the love that knows that there's a reason we're disconnected. And there's a reason that toxic dynamics exist and there are reasons that we have not yet sorted out what we want to sort out or that we don't yet know each other or the answer to this question or whatever it might be so i think maybe you know the love that says everything is welcome here Mm -hmm. and we're gonna look at it you know come on in judgment have a seat (laughs) Mm -hmm. come on in fear have a seat you know come on in right or wrong thinking you know, let's play. Um, love is joy. I mean, I, you know, I, I used to work full time as a facilitator in a consulting company, which was really beautiful and really hard. And the day that I quit was the day that I woke up and realized that I wasn't feeling joyful because I was so tired. And I was like, no, no, I'm not showing up with a checklist of things that I have to do to facilitate this gig, quote unquote. Right. So. The joy for me is non-negotiable and I find joy in my work even when I'm angry and tired and having my own shit going on personally and the world feels like it's inflamed and my body is inflamed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the joy of like the joy of possibility, the joy of connection, even though I'd rather stay in bed, but the joy of like, hi, it's good to meet you. Mm-hmm. You know, let's let's do this. So that joy is important to me and, and the invitation of joy. Um, and I think just good practices like there's no skimping on, on the welcome music. There's no skimping on, on the break, on the, on the somatic practice, on the movement, on the breath, on space, on, on like a good seating arrangement, on just everything that makes it a little bit more possible to be brave gotcha. and a little bit more possible to trust and a little bit easier to take off a mask and to put down a story and to like step into something that's deeply uncomfortable. So I really, yeah, like folks I work with will laugh. I'll be like, my list of supplies includes, you know, squishy balls. But like, I really need those squishy balls. <laughs> right, right. Or something, you know, that, right. that does the impact of the squishy ball. And, and maybe I'll, the last one I'll pick up on is the thread that you shared, which is, you know, so much attention to, to, to what's the right amount of structure and form that will allow us the freedom and the space and the creativity to play. Because when it's too open, I don't actually want to play. I think most of you know, there's a reason a soccer field has what are they called? Board borders. Yes. <laughs> or you know, right. or a basketball, whatever, like a playground. Yes. I mean, in a way the world is a playground, but the playground is actually a playground because there's a sand pit and there's a slide and we know that this is the space yes. within which we can play. And and so we can feel safe because we know that there's an intentionality in what's been created. And it's not so small that I can only play in a particular way. So Definitely enough form and structure. And then within that, yalla, let's go. Nice. Beautiful. Beautiful. I love it. I love it. Love it. Love it. (laughs) It's a delight. It's a delight to speak with people that know this and Mm. get it. And it's just so good. Mm. I'd love to know about, I'll share a little bit about some of the edges that I'm coming up against in a positive way in Mm. my own work and uh curious as to what yours are you mm. know um so mine are the ones like when i highlight are two different ones one is 
kind of new, kind of quite recent, just facilitated something. I facilitated this something a couple of years in a row and wonder whether I should go sometimes because I feel more like a glorified MC mm. than a facilitator. And, uh, and I'm, you know, I do this like, like four or five day things where I'm on the whole time and I'm operating in all cylinders. And there's something about me that, that thrives in that because Mm-hmm. you just you gotta have your full game on and mm. you got nothing else to pay attention to but what's happening right like the mm-hmm. conditions are such um and the evolutionary leadership workshop is is this thing that i convene that is the best example of that kind of intensity mm. but um in this one after doing it doing it for a couple of days just kept getting this feedback, you know, there's this, this, this gratitude and people say, mm-hmm. you are holding this together. And, uh, and it's not that I need that feedback, but it was surprising to me because my effort was minimal, mm-hmm. right? And so if I'm coming from a mindset of I'm doing this thing, then you could feel like I'm not doing much. And yet for the participants, it felt like quite a lot. Mm-hmm. And so the, one of the things I'm, one of the edges I work on, I'm working on is like, what if more of this is easy? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know that I have allowed my, that's, that's doesn't, why does part of me make that a problem? <laughs> right? Why does part of me feel like if I'm not sweating it out, then it's not, work that's making a difference where does that come from for you (laughs) (laughs) what's that where does that come from for you Ah, yeah exactly no it must be yeah definitely an upbringing right definitely a cultural ethos of we work you know like our family we work that's what we do you know we work hard each one of us and and Maybe there's some idea of value that comes from that, or? Thank you for the gift of your attention. If there's something here that resonates for you, something that feels true and good, think about a friend that you could share it with. We curate for each other. And that's the only way the good stuff spreads. Let's stay with it. You seem, you seem to have a line of inquiry for me. I I'll, have, I'll turn yeah. it up over here. I'm wondering, I'm wondering if your sharing of your edges, I like see you putting it out almost to look at it. And I want, I'm, I'm asking you for permission to tell you what I'm seeing. Yes, yes. Please. You know, you started with one of the truths for you in facilitation is the success of the intervention is directly correlated to the intervener mm-hmm. and to their own interior condition. So, you know, maybe you're not working hard those couple of days or you don't feel like you're working hard because you're not sweating, but you've worked hard for a lifetime to get to that place. Mm-hmm. How much work have you done to be able to show up in that way? So it's not a lazy, I didn't work much. It's I've worked so much that I am now truthfully embodying what is needed and what's conserved. 
It's beautiful. That's what I see. And I feel you. I feel you on that. Sometimes I'm like, I don't, I feel like I should be working harder. But I, right. I, the truth is I've worked so hard <laughs> and I've worked so hard. And, right. you know, if some facilitations are relatively easy, maybe that's okay because I need fuel for the hard ones and the hard ones are coming. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. So it right. sounds like your presence in this particular gathering, your presence, your being, mm-hmm. your, what did you call it? Glorified emceeing is itself medicine. Mm-hmm. Ah, that's okay. That's so beautiful. Mm. Those are beautiful. Thank you. Mm. Thank you for taking a moment to <laughs> to help me see. And uh, it makes sense. It makes sense. It does make sense because I know that I do my very best to turn towards what's real inside of myself. Oof. All day. It's not just your nine to five. That's your life. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I see mm-hmm. it. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Um. Well. I'll tell you the other mm. one and then mm. hear yours. This is fun. I love this. Yeah. <laughs> I love this nerding out we're doing. Bring it. <laughs> <laughs> the other one is I, I, I am a participant. I feel like the the most edge spiritual practice that I'm doing is this work on emergent interbeing. And the practice then is emergent consciousness dialogue. And the idea is that there's a shared consciousness among us. And that if we bring our attention to it, we can speak from it, you know. And and it starts to speak. And when you're not speaking from it, anyone not speaking from it, the space can feel it, right? So... It's also this place where you constantly fall into the trap of not speaking from it, intellectualizing it or being excited by it, but not. And so like you go and speak and then it falls flat and then you got to like come back to to yourself and humbly come back in. And it's like you're living at a real edge. And in it, I'm, I'm literally setting aside so much of what I've learned about facilitation, right? Because mm. I'm l- not guiding the space anywhere, right? I'm being mm. guided by it. And, and, it, and, it, and it's not to say that guided space is not necessary. I believe fully in that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's good to have this other side whether where I'm letting go of my knowing or my mastery for sake of, of making room for it, my unknowing. So that's the other way in which in which I'm finding a beautiful edge, um, and I'm really called to that ongoing practice, and wondering what it will do mm. to my other practice. You know, how will they come closer to each other? Mm. But those are those are my edges right now that I can more easily name, and I mm. wonder where you find yourself. Can I ask a question about the second edge? Yes, the same? please. Because I want to make sure I'm, I'm getting it and I feel something percolating. I don't know what it is. Are you saying that one of the edges you're experiencing right now is like to let the thing that's happening naturally and organically be without necessarily knowing what it is or even naming it so well? Yes. Yes, it's a version of that. The one slight distinction I make 
which is the context is specific. It's not like I'm being called into a, I think, you know, when I'm being in a room, I'm also listening for what wants to happen. And, but there's more of bringing my skill set, right? And here, mm. the, everyone in the room is coming with this shared intention. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily like they don't have to master it, but they, they are curious about what happens if we open up to our shared intelligence, you yeah. know, to the shared collective interbeing, literally like this, this, this way in which we are more than individuals and we speak from there. So mm. yes to what you said, but the context mm. specific for it. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. I, I meant to text you this last week and I forgot <laughs> to, so I'll tell you now, I'll share with you now. Uh, we have a, a, a friend in common, Iraq. Austin oh, Grace, yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Hi, Iraq, if you're hearing this. Um, yes. We were at a retreat together a couple of weeks ago. Uh-huh. And in one of the moments around, like, what do we need in the space? And, you know, what are our practices and all this? I, I shared how important it is for me for people to speak from the I. Or to be very clear about who the we is or the you or the they. Like, that's just one of the things I need. It's like non-negotiable for me. When people say you and I'm like, you, me, you, the universal you, you as in you, but it's too vulnerable to say I. Like, I just I started asking these questions, and so I love the clarity of pronouns. And Iraq came in with the we, the space between us. He was like, we as the space between us. And then we were chatting at lunch, and in Boston, I was like, oh, yeah, do you know, so-and-so. Of course, you know, 10 connections in common. Your name came up. We both screamed with joy. And he was like, you know, I get that from Gibran. <laughs> he was like, the we is the space between us. So when I speak from the we, it's beyond the I or the... There's like the thing between us here that, that I'm trying to put name to and language to. So I, I wanted share. to share that with you. I also have a photo that I'll text you. Right? You you come up with with love. Ashe. Yeah. Ashe. It's funny. I was texting <laughs> with him just today. Yeah, we, me and him were texting. So mm. yeah, that's beautiful. <laughs> that moves my heart. Mm. So what's the question? The edges, my edges. You're yeah, asking what, question what, about what, my what edges. What are you leaning into? What are you kind of learning or yeah. wanting to learn as you keep growing in this craft? Mm. You know, I'm really learning discernment. Uh-huh. Because so much is possible in any given moment, right? And I'm really learning, like, how much can we invite just right now? How yeah, much yeah. is enough for now? When I can see this invitation into this like bigger thing, deeper thing, further thing, and I can like see almost this trajectory that we can go to. And I feel like what I'm learning is like, what does this group need and what can this group handle just now? And one of the ways it shows up is, you know, and I think especially since 2020, a lot of organizations will come forward and be like, oh, can you do DEI work with us? Mm -hmm. Right. That's the ask. And then, you know, it takes two conversations. What? It takes five minutes of a conversation to understand that beneath DEI, which is this like word off the shelf that everyone is able to pick up because now there's language where there's so much more happening that is related to the questions that DEI is asking and that is related to belonging and that is related to many other things. And so part of the things I'm learning is, you know, when to bring in the other things that I know could serve that maybe we haven't already agreed on. 
or maybe they're not expecting or maybe are like so so far beyond the scope of what this group knows and does together and yet i think or i know or i feel or i do it that it will serve the situation yes and you know sometimes it's you know it 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 comes in in ways that i'm not even fully aware of and i'm like Mm -hmm. oh something happened in that moment beautiful or like pulled from a different skill set or a different part of my toolbox and sometimes i'm sort of like sitting there like you know holding my lips together and kind of sitting on my hands a little bit like holding myself back from doing something because I'm like, I don't, I'm not, they're going to judge it. They can be open to it. It's okay. Do we have time for it? Can this really happen in a conference room? Yeah. My discernment and, and bravery. I think bravery is related to that and, and integrity and integrity okay. because I also yeah. don't want to bring in something that we're not prepared for. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes the preparation is unconscious and sometimes it has to be conscious. So yeah. I think part of that comes, and I know you can relate to this, is facilitating very different contexts. Yeah. Right? So, you know, sometimes I'm holding a mic at a conference, and that's one kind of facilitation. And sometimes we're in nature, and, you know, we're in a circle, and it's dark, and things are happening. Yeah. 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 And, you know, and and sometimes we're in altered states, you know, that are opening up other possibilities. and, And sometimes... Yeah, you know, I keep keep, keep going. So yeah. just because I can facilitate all those contexts doesn't mean all those things are applicable or relevant or appropriate everywhere. And I, I see the parts of me that are like yearning to, to, to maybe build a little bit more bridges, more bridges between some of these worlds. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Yeah, yeah no, the resonance is very, very real. And uh, yeah, thank you. <laughs> Thank you for like, <laughs> it was coming to me because outside, you know, I know and I love your work. It's like, how much like sacred masculine conversation can we have in this boardroom? <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, am I, am I about to like bring the thing that really cracks this open or am I about to lose the room? Mm-hmm. You know? Yes, I share. So that's I an share. edge. That's yes, that's a good one. That's a good edge. I got goosebumps again. Uh, this is good. This is working. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. I, know, I, I have like three lines of inquiry. Hopefully we can cover them. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the first I think I want to go to is the... Uh, we can start with the... Uh, um, but it's there's more... How do I say it? Um, I think you are, I know you're younger than me. <laughs> and um, and so the younger folk, I feel, are better skilled at working with with kind of the ethos of this moment in, in social movement spaces. And uh, it has a lot of, it's, it has a lot of good things and it has a lot of shadow and um mm-hmm. there is something about it that i that i'm act actively walking away from mm-hmm. because it is not who i am or who i want to be in the world um we can narrow it to cancel culture we can narrow it to communities that are held together by fear of exile. Mm-hmm. 
you know, uh, we can call it fundamentalisms, ideological fundamentalisms, but um, I don't believe in them. And, uh, and uh, I'm walking away, you know, and it's more and more successfully. Yeah. Um, so oftentimes you're being called to DEI, but really you're being called to to hold a certain line of thinking mm-hmm. um, that that I don't I can't hold because I don't mm-hmm. believe it. Um, and so I'm just wondering how you because I, I I know I just know that you have a sense of nuance and. Uh, a deep sense of care and compassion mm-hmm. um, that that will make it impossible for you to fully imbibe <laughs> this this vibration. Mm-hmm. How, how do you deal with it? What are you what are mm-hmm. you doing in relationship to that mm-hmm. that vibration, that energy that centers victimhood and resentment and mm-hmm. threat style? Thank you so much for the question. I think I think it's really important and I wish more people were asking that question in this space. Um, I'll start by saying that I'm, there's like, I don't know if you feel the nervousness in asking the question, but I certainly feel the nervousness in answering it. Because I think there's a complexity and, and there's, a, there's an intention and there's a political orientation and there's a sense of justice and there is... A, a belief in things that are so much larger than what we even have access to here that I think are playing in this intersection point that sometimes like a quick answer cannot do justice to. That's fair. And so I'm afraid of being frozen in a particular sentiment yeah. or comment, you know, and I don't want you to be frozen in that. And I don't want to project right. onto you. So maybe you don't care about yeah. it. <laughs> I'm here yeah. like, Oh, I don't want you also as the ask of the question to be frozen in like, Oh, it's about victimhood, you know, like right. that line can be taken so out of context for someone who doesn't yes, know you yes. and the depth of what you do and the political liberatory consciousness with which you do your work right. that can make that statement, right. you know, cancel worthy. So right. I feel like, thank you. Thank you. You know, there, there's some like, there's some tenderness here. There's some care, carefulness. Um, here's what I'll say. I think, I think we, the collective we of this country, of this world, is living, and I know it's been the case for many years, not romanticizing the past, and I think we're living in this current version of deep pain, of deep separation, of deep injustice, of deep oppression, of deep impacts of the environment and politics and economy on some of us more than on others, and of a lot of fear and trauma coming up. And I think that there, there's a lot of good intention for getting us out of here. And I think some people's route is let's talk about our identities, like that's all that exists. And I so honor that because I, I see where it comes from. Like this particular side of myself has not been seen or honored or respected. And so I'm going to lead with it and I'm going to center gender and race and or class and or et cetera, et cetera, right? Sexual orientation, gender identity, ability, et cetera. And I really see that intention and I honor it. I think my fear and my own experience of some of those spaces that have gone wrong and those conversations is that there can be the end of it. Mm-hmm. And we cannot 
weaponize our identities. And there certainly is not a handy little calculator in which you put in all your identities and then you right. get an ordered list of the room and who's at the top and who's at the bottom. And so we would speak, you know, in opposite yeah. order. And I think that's the shadow side, right? Like, yeah. yes, identity, yes, power, yes, systems. Yes, yeah. all of that. Plus, yes to what is your relationship with your family and what is your relationship to your body and what is your relationship to spirit? And what is your relationship to authority? And what is your relationship to time? And some of it is white supremacy culture. Some of it really isn't. <laughs> or it's not just that. So I don't want to tell a simple story. And, you know, I don't want to be part of a simple story. The simple stories yeah. haven't worked out for me. You know, right. the simple story of here's who we are and here's who we are not does not work for me. It hasn't worked. I, I'm a walking contradiction in many ways if I, if I believe in those belief systems that separate us along those ways. So I know too much in my own body that many things are possible at once and many dynamics are playing out at once. So I don't want to be part of a simple story. And, you know, I want to do DEI work if we're also aware of that what we're talking about ultimately is belonging. We're talking about yes. is love. What we're talking about is the creation of something that works for all of us. And I certainly don't want to be moving from shame and blame because I don't think anyone grows from that. And I don't think your white be quiet is really going to get us to many places. That's right. And I think it's also really dangerous to say, I have such and such identities. And so I am the truth, you know, and I, in, in a way I care about what people's truths are. In a way I care more about what they do with their, with, with their truths. I see. So yeah. What's your truth guiding you towards and, and who's inside the tent and who's not. And that, that's what I care about. And I think that's what I want to be careful with, with this work. That's yeah. Yeah. That's become very popular. Yeah. And, you know, I believe also in baby steps and I believe in, in, in progression. And I believe that one thing will lead to the next. And hopefully this is a step towards, you know, some of the deeper things that we both care Actually, about. Yeah. That's beautiful. That is such a wise and mm -hmm. a wise and well-measured response. And, and there's a lot there for me to, to hold mm -hmm. and, and see. So you've, you taught, taught me something too in, in your too. sharing. Nice. Yeah. Thank you. Um, the one I can't skip mm. is Burning Man. <laughs> we, we go. Um, uh, I'm not going to go this year. And <laughs> no. Talking about it. Yeah. yeah. Don't break my heart live. <laughs> I know. Oh, do we have this? Um, we have this getting married thing happening. Mm. And, and so, oh my God, I almost choked yeah. on my water. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> yeah. So, you have to make some tough choices oh. about what our, what our time is going mm. to be. Felicidades. Gracias. Gracias. I'm so excited. Mm. And uh, my, yeah, my camp is also taking a break, but mm. I, know I could go with another camp, but, and I would. It just, it doesn't. Yeah, it's a heartbreak and you just accept it. Yeah. Um, I want mm -hmm. you to talk a little bit more about it. You've been before me. I've seen you there every time I've gone. And um, one lovely, two lovely points of reference. One was you and Alexa not meeting there, but <laughs> just falling deep, deeply, deeply, deeply into mm. your love there. and. You telling me to go to the deep playa, mm. and you at a dance party, and actually 
good dance party because of the first couple <laughs> of years we were going. It's like, this is what is happening. There's so much music and so little of it is good. Um, so, props and burning and trying to get some people of, people of color there, you know? <laughs> like, shit. Get a but, drum beat, get a drum beat in between all this electronic music. <laughs> we were finally getting it in. But it was a tough burn for people. Mm. For many people, it was a tough burn. Uh, from weather-wise to whatever was happening in people from, like, the gap. Like, mm. it was an intense... Tough burn is not always a bad burn. It's mm. just, like, you got to do some burning, you know? That's mm -hmm. part of being in this ritual and ceremony. But for you, you were having the burn of a lifetime. <laughs> and, you know, so I'm like, here's somebody that's like <laughs> having a different experience than a lot of people I'm talking to. Uh, so anyway, tell me about Burning Man. Uh, tell me about what it means to you. Tell me about why it's important. Yeah. Ah, uh, it's like, it's, it's everything. What, what do mm -hmm. I not love about it? Yes, it's hard and the dust and the heat and so many things. And I want to, you know, I feel like a lot of like social justice, whatever movement, liberation, whatever you want to call yourselves, folks also go to Burning Man. I feel like there's always this caveat of like, and I know there's a carbon footprint and I know, you know, yes, yes, there are not as many people of color as we want and we're working on it and this and that. And so with all of that said, with so much attention to all of that, I, you know, the Burning Man is for me, it's really a place where I practice being free. Oh, shit. And it's really... I think that the more I grew up, the more I realized that it's actually hard to be free. Yes. Like, you know, my whole life has been like love and freedom, love and freedom. And if you make me choose, I'll choose freedom. I'll choose freedom over anything. And then I'm like, but what does it actually mean day to day to be free? Like, am I free enough to put on this outfit that I feel fat in? Oh, and then it brings up all my shame from, you know, being younger and being told I'm eating too much and I'm a little too round at the hips. Like I've had emotional experiences, embodied healing in like putting on an outfit and getting on a bike and being like, okay, this is what I'm doing today. Another way it makes me practice my freedom is, you know, I think because of who I am, my personality and my work, maybe you resonate with this is I care a lot so much all the time. Like I cannot even be at a party at a dinner party, a dance party, a club without noticing the dynamics of like inclusion, exclusion, who's not here, who might be having a hard time, where can I bring in someone, what conversation might need to happen in the bathroom to just make a little space so this person can also be brought yeah. into the fold. I care so much. And at Burning Man, I really like, I, I send love and light and I, and I choose my own wave that I'm going to ride. Oh, I'm such an empath. I'm such an empath. I sometimes start feeling scared. I'm like, why am I feeling scared? And I look over and my neighbor's scared. I'm like, okay, it's coming from you. You know, now I'm rageful and it's coming from that part of the room. So at Burning Man, there are a thousand, there's 70,000 <laughs> vibrations happening. And it's really a place where I practice like what's mine right now and what wave am I riding and how can I be in connection but also doing my own thing and also centered in a way, which is actually quite hard for me to not be pulled by everyone's energies, even as I do this work. Like at the end of every facilitation day, I have to like work out and I need water and I need so much release of emotions that I've taken on. So I, I really practice riding my own wave. And I love, you know, we are talking about earlier, there's just enough form and just enough structure to make so much freedom possible. You know, yeah. people think it's chaos out there. It really isn't. Right. There are 10 tenets, 11 tenets that you have to follow. And then within that, 
everything's possible. And I've seen, yeah. I've experienced portals opening. I've experienced magic. I've experienced the most amazing dance parties at sunrise and otherworldly things happening. And I really think it's because we're doing just enough things to care for the group environment and to care for every individual within it that we can be free and creative and outrageous within it. And I love that so much. And you know, when I saw you at the burn last year, and I know a lot of people are having a hard burn, my intention coming in was to have fun. Yeah. And I'm so glad I said that intention. I was like, I could go to this workshop, which feels like the rest of my life. And I'm sure there'll be some learning and some healing there. Or I could go to this literal hot dog party. And I chose the hot dog party. <laughs> I did that <laughs> over and over again. And I just went for pure fun, just like yeah. pure fun. And it feeds me and it fills me. And, you know, the first few months of life and work after the burn are my, are my very best because my cup is overflowing and I have love and joy and possibility and sun in my skin. And ah, the fun is so important. And, yeah. and, and there's plenty of like, and, you know, for folks who know, there's a temple you know, you can go cry and release and shed and, and there are workshops happening and you can go learn X, Y, Z. And I think all of that together creates an environment that is truly unparalleled. And I, lo I love those conditions. I love who I am there. I love how I struggled there. I love the questions that I ask. I love the things that I don't do that I normally would do. And yeah, I'm so grateful for that space. I'll miss you this year and I'll send yeah. you some, some, some dust magic for your wedding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's it's hard. It's definitely a hard thing, mm. but um, it's in my life. It's definitely in my life, and I expect to go back as soon as I can. Mm -hmm. uh, thank you for speaking of it. <laughs> thank you for asking. Yes, I yes. So much joy with that question. <laughs> I'm looking at our time. We're coming to mm -hmm. a close. If you have a couple of minutes, I would like to ask you a question that I always ask here at the end, um, which is. In this post-Me Too moment where mm. the worst of patriarchy has been exposed, uh, because it's not new, it's always been happening, but we're talking about it, mm -hmm. you know? When I, before a powerful and wise woman, I ask, mm. what should men do? What advice do you have for us uh, to get ourselves together, to show up like we need to show up in the world, to cause less harm and bring more goodness? Uh, thank you for the work you do that brings that question to your podcast. Um, there's a part of me, there's like a feisty part of me that wants to say, get your shit together. <laughs> <laughs> there's like a bantering part of me that wants to say, Google it. You know, there's, pra <laughs> there's a practical side of me that wants to say, go to Gibran's Better Men Project. You know, I, I don't know, figure it out there. And then That's I, fair. you All know, there's, there's a part of me that has sat in circle with men or held sort of fishbowl circle for men in the middle and, 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 you know, women on the outside, and, and I know that's not a, an easy sort of gender delineation, but as we've been raised in the bodies that we were born in. And I think the most healing that I've seen men do, specifically around masculinity and toxic masculinity, has happened in environments that are real, that are authentic, 
that are courageous, that are embodied, that are loving and committed to love and committed to growth and know that there are no simple answers. And sometimes the bravest thing we can do is ask the question or say the thing that we're so afraid of other people knowing about us and sitting with it so that the shame is turned into fuel for something better and sitting with the grief long enough to know that it's actually shared and that it's okay and something else is possible. And I've been so moved in those spaces and I have, I have brothers, I have siblings from doing gender work and I, I wanna encourage people to find spaces where you can feel like that. I feel like I can take a mask off and put a load down and make a little eye contact and share something and ask a question and learn, learn. And uh, not from like, a, and I think the intellectual frameworks are helpful and I think the books are framework and I think I thought, you know, are, are helpful and I think our frameworks and thought leaders are helpful. And I think there's nothing like sitting face to face and saying, tell me your story with manhood and here's mine. And I wanna cry with this or I wanna celebrate this or I wanna build this. Um, yeah, and I know, and I know that more and more men's circles are happening, and more and more men's work is happening, and I'm so grateful for that. And I want to say to to those of us who are not in those circles, because maybe we're in other gender circles, and to my women, <laughs> you know, and to my sisters, is uh, there's a there's a, there's a sacredness here that's that is has always been here for us, and that I see women stepping into our full power. And I love that I see more and more women call themselves goddesses and witches. Yes. And, you know, the word cauldron is now thrown around everywhere. And yes, yes, like let's step into the sensuality of it, the miracle yes. of it, and the archetypes yeah. and the like very real stuff that is also structural. So, yeah, find your people, I would say. And, um, and if you can't find them, like, you know, send a note to those who might know. Sometimes mm. it's just one step removed. Ashe. Beautiful, generous. Thank you. Mm. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, do you have a couple more minutes? I do. Okay, I do. I do. Okay. okay. Just okay. Uh, there's one another question I asked at the end. It mm. invites a little time travel. So the invitation is if you're willing to leap 20 years ahead <laughs> and to see yourself. And I don't want you to describe, I'm not asking you to describe yourself to me 20 years from now. But just to see yourself having accomplished some things and not accomplished others, both in the world of work and in the work on yourself. Coming closer to who you want to be. And listen to her and see what what is she saying to you now what do you need to learn from her right now and yeah then the question to be spoken is that is tell us tell us what what mm -hmm. is the advice from your elder self to you now this is so wild that you're asking this question. Um, wow, I literally was in a little uh, journey, a little solo journey a few weeks ago, uh -huh. a ceremonious journal journey. And I did exactly this. I, I like time traveled first to my 15 year old self, 
then to my 25-year-old self, and then to my future self. Hmm. And the common thread of those, so my current self went back to the past versions and just held myself. I just held my younger self and I said, thank you for walking the path. Thank mm -hmm. you for staying true to us. There's, it's going to turn out so well. You have no idea what's coming. These dreams you have, these fears you have, these longings, these questions, these everything you're working through. Like, thank you so much for working through it and staying on the path. Like, you'll see, it's going to get good. And I went back, and my friend Celeste always says, you know, we thread our lives, and with the healing and the consciousness that we have today, we pick up that thread and we take it back to that moment of pain where that that was needed, that awareness yeah. was needed. And we thread it and we bring it forward and that's how we heal. So I went back and I threaded myself in those eras. And then I came to present day, 33. I just turned 34. And I paused and then my future self came. And I couldn't see her. And But I could feel her. And all she said was, thank you for walking the path. Oh, and she sure. gave me nothing else. <laughs> she was like, thank you for walking the path. She was like, I cannot tell you. I cannot give you information. I thank you for walking the path and staying true to yourself. There's so many reasons, so many legit reasons, so many attractive reasons that I could go off my path, <laughs> that we all could go off our path. The shininess left and right. And she just said, thank you. Keep doing it. And so I don't even dare imagine, honestly. Mm -hmm. I don't even dare because had I imagined 20 years ago what I, today I would not have dreamed big enough. I was not free enough to right. be to be bold enough to imagine the beautiful miraculous things that have happened. Mm -hmm. So. I bow to the mystery and I'm going to keep my, my path is to build the muscle to show up for what's unknown and to show up for the moments as they unfold. And that's what she said. So I don't know. Let's talk in 20 years. Thank you for your presence and your company and your path and your friendship. And your vocation mm. and your love. Uh, what a blessing. Shukran, mm. shukran. Back yeah. to you. Alhamdulillah. Thank you. Thank you to you. Mm. Many, many blessings. Signal versus noise. There's so much competing for our attention. And I am so glad that you stayed with us through the end of the podcast. It should mean that you're finding something meaningful here. Hopefully, something worth sharing. And so I'm asking again that you think of somebody who would be touched by this conversation, who wants to be a part of it some way. It is a decentralized conversation. It is a way in which we're changing ourselves by leaning in towards each other in places like this and in the exchange of these ideas. So who's a person or two that will be specially moved by what you've heard here today. Send them a text, an email. Let them know we're here. We're not trying to reach everybody, but we want to reach the right people. We want to keep having this decentralized conversation. We want to keep working on getting right to the edge of the evolution of consciousness and culture to see what we find here together. Thank you again for being a part of this. Liking the podcast helps. Subscribing is definitely a good thing. Feedback is always welcomed. Stay in touch. <laughs>